Welcome to today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I am super excited to introduce you to a new Redemption Press author, Janet Johnson, author of Surviving the Holidays. She has an incredible Romans 8.28 story to share with you today and just so much great, valuable content. She is a wealth of information. You're going to love this. I'm excited to bring her on, but before I do that, let me give her a proper introduction. Janet Johnson is a pastor, mentor in spiritual formation, speaker, author, and freelance writer whose passion is helping others draw closer to God in all of life's situations. She has a BA, MSW, and MDiv degrees in addition to the completion of the Academy of Spiritual Formation, the Pastors of Excellence Program, and the Methodist School of Supernatural Ministry. She is on the board of Aldersgate Renewal Ministries and the Blue Ridge Walk to Emmaus, is an associate member of the Order of St. Luke Healing Ministry, and a member of the Advanced Writers and Speakers Association. Prior to becoming an ordained pastor, Janet worked in public assistance was a social worker in a hospital, as well as a homeschool coordinator and elementary school teacher. Currently, in addition to writing and speaking, Janet enjoys sewing and cooking and watching two precious great-grandchildren, ages two and five. Janet and her husband Richard, a 30-year Air Force veteran, celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary in 2020. They have four adult children, one of whom has graduated to heaven. She has a passion for helping others find God's joy amid difficult circumstances and truly believes the joy of the Lord is her strength. Having journeyed through the desert of grief after her brother was murdered, her son was killed in a car accident, her brother-in-law committed suicide, and the deaths of many close friends and family significant loneliness due to moves, so many different losses, Janet found herself crying out to God, empowered by God's spirit to break the chains of grief in which she lived, God gave her a pathway to joy. And I just love it when authors give me some little known facts to share. Get this, Jan was in a plane crash she was a drum majorette in high school, also played the clarinet and baritone horn as well as the piano and organ. And she is planning a trip on the old Route 66 this summer, celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary in 2020. You're gonna love this girl. Let's roll that conversation. Well, Jan, I am so excited that we finally got this time nailed down to be able yes. to introduce you to the All Things Podcast listeners. So welcome to the podcast today. Thank you so much, Athena. It, it has a journey just being able to connect. And so I, am, I just feel so blessed to be able to be here with you today. Amen. So you know how we start these. I want my listeners to hear a little bit about how the Lord works behind the scenes in your life and how he has been that one who works all things together for good, even hard things. And uh, so I would love to hear your favorite Romans 828 story from your life. 
All right. Well, I've shared this before, this particular Romans 8.28 story. And I do say this one because there are so many times that God has taken tragedy or loss or just difficult situations and brought good out of them in my life. But this particular story is about our son, David, and how God brought such good out of his life, even after our tragedy. David was our creative child, always one who pushed buttons. He was James Dobson's strong-willed child, uh, for those of you who are familiar with that. He loved to investigate the unknown, and he always kept us wondering about what he would be discovering next. So where David was, adventure always was there. But about 19, well, actually 19 years ago, this month, this week, actually, we had just moved into a new home. And as anyone who has moved knows, you have boxes everywhere. They were piled high just waiting for us to unpack them. The day began with anticipation of getting a lot accomplished so that we could begin to see our house looking like a home. But those plans were short-lived. We received a call that no parent ever wants to receive. Our precious David had been air flighted to a hospital 20 hours away from where we were living. And he had been in a car accident. He did not survive. Like a pile of empty boxes that can come tumbling down if they're out of balance, that's exactly what happened to my world. It just crumbled around me. Memories of David's impish grin, his ability to debate almost any issue. (laughs) If you said the sky was blue, he would say it was green and he would come up with a, a reason for telling you why. I mean, that was just his personality. He loved to fish, he loved to hunt, and he loved his family. And all of those memories just came flooding into my shattered heart. The depth of agony that is only known by others who have lost a child cascaded. um, I just remember them in a puddle on the floor. You know, the cherished hopes and the dreams that are left incomplete by the accident, and there was no explanation for it. Those dreams and hopes just seemed to float away, even as as we were hanging up the phone. His car was twisted and shattered, and my heart was crushed. Well, the pieces of my heart that were torn apart have found healing over the years, but there will always be scars that remain they always stay there. They're, they never totally go away. They find a place. But knowing that I am no longer able to hold him close and feel his bear, bear hugs, he used to give the greatest bear hugs, or be challenged by his thought-provoking questions transformed my life forever. So we began our drive from Colorado to Kentucky, where David and his wife of eight months, he had just been married for eight months, had just graduated from college where they lived. All I could do was focus on the road. And then something happened. At one point, I turned and I looked out of the window and there was a rainbow in the sky. No rain, just a rainbow. Mm 
I began to praise God as the tears flooded my face while I was driving, knowing all I can remember thinking is that, Jesus, you lost a child also, and you know exactly what pain I'm feeling. And that rainbow just told me that God was present with me amid the tragedy and on that long drive. And that rainbow remained for the longest time. Well, once we arrived in Kentucky, you know, we did is what most parents and families who've lost loved ones do. We went through the motions of celebrating his life, of comforting each other and and taking care of what needed to be done. And as anyone who has lost a loved one knows, there are so many details that need to be taken care of. When it was all over, it was time to return to our lives in Colorado. We walked in the door of our home and somehow it felt different. Even though David had not been there, the house just felt empty. Some dear friends had come while we were gone and unpacked as many things as they could for us, which was such a gift. But life just was different. I had never felt such a deep hole within my heart. And I had no interest in doing anything. And you know, that's typical. You just go to that place where you just don't, you can't even sometimes get out of bed. Well, my heart and my soul needed rest, but my job awaited. Two weeks after David's earthly departure, I managed to put one foot in front of the other. And slowly I entered the church where I served as an associate pastor. This was a very large church. I knew the day held numerous opportunities for others to share their words of comfort. And all I could do was I remember asking God to give me the strength and not to let me cry. Now, that is a really foolish request. (laughs) Your son has only been gone for two weeks and you know that people are going to come and hug you and say things and, you know, but, you know, we make those requests anyway. So I went ahead and made it. How's that working for you, right? (laughs) I asked God to give me strength and courage just to face the day and to remain strong, even though I was exhausted. I was exhausted. Well, I had served that congregation for several years, and the congregants and I had experienced life together like you do in a church, okay? Um, Over the years, we had laughed and we had cried. We had shared joys and sorrows. And that day, however, I truly dreaded opening the door of the church to face the words and the hugs and just the sympathetic glances, because some people just don't know what to say. They even sometimes try to avoid you because they don't want to make you hurt anymore. But what all of that did was just validated even more that my son had died. But God is so good. He just caught me off guard. A dear friend and a member of the church came into my office, closed the door, said, sit down. And we cried together. So you see how God answered that prayer. (laughs) (laughs) I love his sense of humor. (laughs) I know. And, you know, we really cried because she loved me and she knew I was hurting. And, you know, that's what Christian sisters and brothers do. We 
hurt with each other, but it happened more times than I can remember. Over the next month or so, moms and dads came to share their stories, stories that were unheard of by people. They were stories that people had kept in the depths of their hearts, but had not shared. Their hearts were shattered also. And so they identified with the shattering of my heart. And most of them began with confessing or saying something like, Jan, I know how you're feeling. And you know, unless somebody has lost a child, they really don't know how you're feeling. But then it happened. Many of the church members were connected with the military and past life events weren't known by everybody because people in the military are transient. And so they don't always tell all their life stories, especially the painful ones. But hearing their hearts and the pain and the journeys of those who came to talk took me to a sacred place. It was a holy place when somebody shared that pain. Person's story was sacred. They had kept it silent and carried it only in their hearts. And they talked about how people perceived them as strong and friendly, yet most of them didn't understand at all the pain that went everywhere with them, even to church. And I think one of the things that God showed me as a pastor is that we have to make places for that to take place. We have to make places for pain to come out. And so God was already using it. But they, the people revealed the, the story of a child that was lost. And some of it, it was death over the child as an infant. For others, it was teens. Others talked about the loss of an adult child, accompanied by words that, that I heard, no parent should ever lose a child. But with each one, we bonded. We had a special bond. There was a child who had left our presence before we were ready. And so we shared children's stories. We shared our stories and we laughed at the silly ones, okay? Dave provided a lot of silly stories, okay? And we <laughs> cried at our losses and we comforted each other. And God was there among it all. What God did. And what I didn't understand was that during those moments, God was using David's death and my grief as he brought healing to his hurting children. He took a devastating tragedy and brought good out of it. I didn't expect my pain to be transformative for other people. I don't know why, because we know God does that but I just didn't. I thought the accident had extinguished David's purpose. Accidents happen. That's that. I knew in my heart that God had not caused it, even though to this day, there's no explanation for the accident. But God used it and brought to my weary and torn soul new hope and light. That hope took me to an even deeper root when I realized God placed in my heart a new ministry. God wanted to use me, even in my brokenness, as a vessel 
to bring hope and healing to grieving people, to parents, to adult children, to friends, to every single person who's been touched by grief. And God gave me the strength and the words as I shared my story, sometimes with tears flowing, not only about my son's death, but about my brother's murder, my brother-in-law's suicide, my own traumatic brain injury, and the untimely death of a friend, and the stroke of my closest friend and prayer sister in Christ. It wasn't that my stories were so different from anyone else's. They're not. The real story was how God ministered to and through me as he helped others navigate the unwanted journey of grief. God's love has passed through me as people found God's joy along each step of the way. And God used the tragedies of my life as he brought hope and healing to countless people. And whenever I speak, my story helps other people tell theirs. And that is healing. God has used my pain and my grief and my story over and over to help others find his joy amid the most difficult circumstances of life. You know, Romans 8.28 tells us we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Those have been called according to his purpose. And you know what? He did. And he still does. And I just feel most blessed to be able to be a vessel for his healing. Athena, we serve such an awesome God. His love is so great. From friends bringing food before we even left, to the rainbow, to the gift of tears, and the sharing of life stories. God is always at work. Always. And I just want to praise him. That's all I want to do. It's just giving my praise. I love that. I love that. And your Romans 8.28 story is about how God took the most, in, I mean, really, you've got lots of other losses, but that, <laughs> this, your son has to be yeah. the most impactful. And for yeah. God to take that time and that situation, that loss, and use it not only to bring your own healing, but the healing of many others. Why do you think that happened? Well, you know, Athena, our society doesn't like to talk about death. Of course, this was 19 years ago, but uh, you would think with COVID this past year and everything that we would be used to it, but people still do not want to talk about it. They have different ways of expressing, you know, somebody went to heaven and that's true and that's wonderful. But we need to be able to share the rawness of what grief does within our own lives. And when I found out that there were so many people that were grieving that I didn't even, I mean, I was in church with these people every Sunday and I still didn't know what I learned was that they needed a place to talk. And because I was willing to share my story they were willing to share their story. And, you know, the scriptures tell us when when we share a burden, it's lightened. When we give it to God, it's made so light. And, And that is what I found. Does it take time? Absolutely. But just knowing that other people were lifting me up in prayer, 
because of our pain also lightened the burden. And God brought good out of the tragedy of our son's life. And people need to hear that. And so I think that because of my Romans 8.28 story, other people have, have been able to release some of their pain and begin just as I did on the journey of healing. Yeah. And I think what happens is when you do share and verbalize that the loss, the pain, all of that, it like gives them permission. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I mean, some of those people that came into my office had been in my office many times before. Okay. Talking about other things, but never sharing that raw story of the grief that they carried. Yeah. Wow. So, so you've experienced incredible loss in your life. As you mentioned, your brother to murder, your son to a car accident, your brother-in-law to suicide moves that necessitated leaving old friends, family, even your own traumatic brain injury. How have all of these losses affected your faith journey? Well, I'd really like to say I didn't question God while I was walking (laughs) through all of this. Uh, But, you know, like others, I did. I cried out, why? Why, God? Why so many tragedies in my life. But then I realized, why not me? We are all in this life together. And things happen to every single person. And God loves you, Athena, just as much as he loves me and every other person. And and I don't believe that God caused any of those tragedies that happened but I do know he was present in each one. And I know his will is to work things out for good. And so he has. In our son's case, as I said, others found healing and it's opened the door for me to write. It's opened the door for me to speak about grief and his will. And it's more, most importantly, I think it's opened the door for me to experience a different kind of joy than I had before David's accident. And that is a joy that can only come from the Lord. And that is a joy that I can pass on and help others find amid whatever tragedy or the life circumstances they may be facing. Yeah, because when other people hear your story, they can't justify in their minds, well, she would never understand my pain. She would, you know, I mean, because yours has been so extreme and so many right painful traumatic losses that that I would think that would bring hope to people to say, man, I hope it does. If she's (laughs) smiling, oh my gosh, there's hope for me. There is. Our God is a God of hope and resurrection power. I mean, you know, there's no no greater hope than that. Mm. So mm. you mentioned your journey with grief paved the way for you to write books dealing with grief, which I love. I mean, I just think this is a topic that needs to be addressed and needs to be written about in, for the church. So tell us how that came about. 
Well, it's kind of funny, actually. This is God's sense of humor again, I think. I actually have wanted to write about joy. I wanted to do devotions about joy for a long time. I mean, I I had really thought about that and God and I had talked about it, but you know, life happens and things like that. And um, I wanted to write about joy because that's where my heart lies, is in the joy that the Lord gives us. Well, I began to be tugged more and more about writing. And so I got really serious about praying about what God wanted me to write. And then God said, I want you to write about joy, but I want you to write about it from the standpoint of grief and how God's eternal promises can lead us to inner joy. And it doesn't matter what comes against us. So when I finally sat down to write, the words just poured from my heart and and my mind. And they were words of love and encouragement and joy. And that's what happened. So, you know, God granted my wish of being able to write about joy, but he did it from his way. (laughs) So did you find, I know whenever, I mean, writing and processing my pain through writing is healing for me. It has been for me. I'll bet that was the case for you. Absolutely. It was very cathartic. Yes. And my first book that I wrote actually goes through a lot of the situations my t- I talk about. There's a devotion in it about the suicide and about the, my son's death and, and about all these different things. But they all, you know, share what God's joy is with the scripture that goes with it. So, yes, absolutely. It has been very, very, very healing. Amen. So in your books, you mentioned that our emotions have unexpected triggers. And I love this topic. That is one of my favorite topics because a lot of times if we don't know we're triggered, we don't even, <laughs> we can't even process what's going on in our hearts because we don't even right. realize we've been triggered. So can right. you share how you found strength or how you handle those triggers? Well, I think we don't expect them. Most triggers come unexpectedly. I mean, when somebody first dies, yes, we know we're going to have triggers, okay? But a year later, or or even two or three years later, we can be doing something. For instance, our son, I said he loved to fish, he loved to camp, you know, and things like that. And I could be shopping in a store and doing just fine. And then all of a sudden I would come across something like uh, fishing gear or camping equipment. And all of a sudden I'd get this lump in my throat. And depending upon where I was on my healing journey, I could find myself crying right there in the store or trying to hold that gulp back or just a deep sigh. It, would, it depends on where the healing was. Today, I can see camping gear and fishing equipment and think about the memories, the sweet memories, rather than the sadness of what those show. I remember the sweet times that he had with them. And so I think that for those of us who are will always grieve the loss of someone, if we can think about them, especially as Christians, being with the Lord right now we're experiencing, we can experience then their sweet memories that they had while they were here on this earth. And that was a gift from God. And so 
knowing that God prepared a place for them, it's even sweeter than wherever my son went camping or wherever he went fishing or that biggest fish he caught. It's, it's even better. So I think that, you know, learning how to recognize that it is a trigger and in the beginning, maybe even avoiding them, but then slowly but surely allowing ourselves to encounter them because we have to. And especially like, for instance, holidays are triggers and not just Christmas or Thanksgiving. We can have, you know, birthdays or anniversaries, graduation days from college or high school. We never know what day is going to be a trigger. And so we need to be able to to realize, yes, uh, he's not here right now. And yes, he did graduate from college. And I realize what a special time that was. What a sweet memory. You know, we put it in the place of a sweet memory rather than of the sadness of they're not here to share that now. That's so good. Now, do you find I've even talked to people who've experienced and I've experienced this myself the anniversary of the loss. Yes. 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 Like I said, it was this past week and it does. It, it, it's always a reflective day for me. There's usually some sadness involved with it, but I, I try to choose to focus on those good times, the times we were able to share we will always miss him. But then I, I say, Lord, thank you that he's with you. I have no idea what he's doing right now, but it's, it's better than anything he could have done here on earth, you know? So yes, those days are, are hard. And I think we just recognize that they're, especially the first three, four, five years, the first year, especially, but you know, as time goes on and we just recognize that those are going to be trigger days. And, and be prepared for them. And be intentional. That's right. Intentionally looking for those positive memories. Yes. You can associate with the trigger instead of where the trigger wants to take you. Right. Exactly. Intentionally preparing for them in advance instead of, you know, not seeing them coming. If we can really be prepared, we're, we're more able to really embrace it. And whatever God, if God wants to take us to a different level of our healing, you know, we're, we're more prepared for it. I love that. That's exactly right. Exactly. So you were a teacher before becoming a pastor. Explain how children grieve differently than adults and why it's crucial, especially on holidays and special days to involve them in activities to help them process their grief. Children, I taught second and third grade, so they are kind of at that stage where they still didn't have the ability, and especially younger children even, don't have the vocabulary to identify what they're feeling, and so they compensate for their emotions in different ways. For example, some become clingy, some will revert to an earlier age than where they were, like, for instance, bedwetting or sucking their thumb or different things like that. Others fall behind in school because they can't concentrate. Some become isolated or fearful where they had not been before. And so the best thing to do is to allow children to express themselves through activities. 
for instance, let them draw pictures. And if they draw the deceased person in their picture, you can talk about the fun times that they had or ask them, you know, tell me about the picture. Tell me what you're, what you're thinking if daddy's not here or, you know, how, why just things come about. And, or for instance, at Christmas time, if, if an adult, a mom or a dad used to always do something, it was like their job to put the star on the tree. Okay. Well, that is a huge trigger for pain. So you sit with the family and you ask them, well, daddy used to always put the star on the tree. Who would like to do that this year and will remember daddy always doing it and help somebody? They make the decision that they're not replacing daddy, but they're helping daddy since he's not there. There's all different kinds of ways of doing that. And I share a lot of those things in, in my holiday book. Because, and it's not just a book for Christmas, it is a book for any time since since triggers come anytime, as we've already talked about. That's so good. And it's so good to help the children process because so often they just kind of get left out of that process. And it's so important to draw them in. They do because they, they hear the adults talking. They also take cues from the adults. If the adults are crying, it gives them permission to cry, whereas they don't have to go to their bedroom and cry because they think it's going to upset mommy or daddy or whomever it may be. So we need to allow ourselves to show our emotions also to the children. Mm, That's good. So you mentioned that when you were in your darkest places of grief, scripture reminded you to stay focused on God. Can you share some of those passages that carry you during these dark seasons? Bina, I can tell you one scripture that it's interesting because it comes up after a very difficult time in the scriptures and a time when you would think everybody should be grieving and should be questioning their behavior. And yet the scripture says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I think if we can walk through our tragedies and say, yes, I am sad. Yes, I hurt today. Yes, there is still a hole in my heart, but my joy comes from the Lord. And that is what he wants for me. He wants us to live life to the fullest. And when we're keeping ourselves down, we can't do that. We Allowing God to give us his joy, I think, is the greatest gift that we can receive amid all these tragedies and the crazy things that are going on in the world. So that is my one big one. Mm, That's so good. And I know that, I mean, that could be the answer to my, you know, kind of closing question to you, but I'll bet you have another one. I love for our authors to share a tip or a tool that really has helped them remember that Romans 8, 28 truth that it may not look like it, it may not look good, <laughs> but, but he is at work and he's going to work it for good somehow, some way. What, what helped you remember that? You know, I think since our son, well, actually my brother was murdered first. Okay. Before our son was killed and you don't expect that news. Okay. 
But my mom, bless her soul, she she passed away when she was 97. She lived a long life and she had a lot of tragedy in her life, but she always would tell me, just trust in God and he will he will make it okay. And I think that I heard a story one time and it's very short. It's just, let's see if I can, if I can actually get it right. Sometimes when I try to remember things, I get it mixed up, but somebody asked about life and the difficulties in life. Okay. And the, the response was, if things are not okay today, it's okay. Because in the end, they will be. Because God's got this. He's got it. In the end, you know, for believers, in the end, everything is going to be okay. And so even amid the deepest tragedy, it will be okay. Because God is good. And he works everything out for good. Amen. Amen. That's good. So if we have some listeners that want to reach out to you, want to connect with you on social media or your website, what's the best place for them to find you? I think probably my email, and that is joyfilledjan1, J-O-Y-F is in Frank, I-L-L-E-D is in David, Jan, J-A-N, the number one at gmail.com. Perfect. Perfect. Well, it has just been, this has been a great conversation. So much good, just really good. And this is such a, a topic close to my heart and it's important. I don't know. I just don't, I don't think as a church, we do well enough in this. So, so we need, no. we need what you had to say today to learn, you know, if you can't, if you're feeling awkward, if you're not sure how to process this pain, just trust God in that and be around other people who are willing to be real and not, and not try and hide it because we, we grow when we can process it and be in touch with what, with how we're really feeling and admit it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. It has been delightful. Thank you, Athena. And thank you to everybody. God bless you. Amen. Did you know that the Bible tells us in Proverbs 28, 1, that the righteous are bold as a lion? And you know what lions do, right? They roar. So the She Writes for Him team wants to help you fine tune your roar. If God has redeemed you and given you something to declare that points to his faithfulness, then he will also give you a strategy for reaching the hearts of your readers. It's never too early or too late to begin or revisit your branding and marketing plan for the message God has given you. We are super excited to announce Roar 2021 our second She Writes For Him virtual conference of the year, and it's coming up May 14th and 15th. You may already be published in the process, or the book idea might even just still be in your head. No matter, 
There are basics to accomplish in order to establish your platform, more advanced tips and tools to expand your reach, and even some relaunch techniques to help give your previously published message new traction in the marketplace. We have an incredible faculty lined up to help you take that next step. Whether it's a one sheet or a book launch or a podcast or a giveaway to help build up your email list, we will deliver interactive sessions with the experts and laser focused workshops to build the tools you need. You will walk away with a master plan that you can use to build or expand your platform so that you can effectively provide hope and healing to others. For all the details and to take advantage of a special discount, visit SheWritesForHimLore.com and we hope to see you there. Well, I am so glad to be able to unpack that conversation a little bit. I just love so much of what Jan Johnson had to share with us about mostly coming from her book, Surviving the Holidays While Grieving, Practical Tools for Experiencing Joy When Facing Grief and Loss. You know, I just have seen in my experience in churches that a lot of Christians don't do very well with grieving. We want to try and just say, I'm okay. I'm fine. They're in heaven. You know, as if we're not spiritual enough, if we feel sad or depressed or wish it didn't happen. And, you know, that is nothing could be further from the truth. Being an authentic Christian, think about David, think about Jesus. They wept. They Jeremiah. There's so many different situations in scripture that show that grieving is a normal part of the process and it's part of being real. We need to be real. And I just love how Jan's that one defining moment when her friend just came into her office, shut the door and cried with her. That just that authenticity and giving permission to weep and to express the pain. That is so powerful. And when someone shares their pain, I love how she said that it becomes a sacred place. That is so, so true. And we need to be looking for those sacred places rather than avoiding them, which is another thing. It's really easy to do when you feel awkward and you don't know what to say to someone who's grieving. It's easier to just kind of avert your eyes and walk the other way or just avoid them. And that's the opposite of what we need to do. I love how she said we must make places for pain to come out. We have to be safe people for those who are grieving and experiencing loss, even if it's not 
something recent, even if it's something buried. Like all of her experiences with all those people she'd been doing life with for all those years, and there were still painful losses that had never been talked about, never been communicated. How powerful it is when we make, when we share our own pain and give others permission to share theirs, because then that bonding comes. She, I love how Jan shared that that's what came when two people who both experienced the loss of a child came together and wept with each other and shared that experience and that loss how much bonding came through that. That is such an encouraging thing for us to understand. We have to be able to get past the awkwardness of weeping and feeling pain. I think sometimes we don't, you know, we don't want to go there because we haven't really dealt with our own pain. So we just shove it down. And then when someone else is feeling pain or loss, or they're going through something that's just devastating, we want to avoid it. And we feel awkward because our pain might spill out and, and we're trying to keep it stuffed down, but we shouldn't. Oh my goodness. I love just this story. Well, it's not one story of losing a son. It's a lifelong story of loss and devastation. But just the Romans 8.28 theme throughout the entire conversation with Jan was just amazing how God used David's death and her grief and brought healing to others and led them to a place of finding joy. That is the epitome of Romans 8.28, God working all things, even the hard things, together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So I love that God wanted to use her even in her brokenness. People, that is true for all of us. He wants to use us in our brokenness because people can relate to brokenness way more than perfection, which we can't do anyway, but we try and pretend we can. Oh my goodness, the gift of tears, that is so profound. We need to be able to express the rawness, not hide it, not keep it stuffed away. Oh, that was so good. So, boy, if you've heard any of the other All Things podcasts, I know when I interviewed Tope Keiku, she talked about, you know, she was going through this really huge struggle in her marriage and she was really, you know, God, why me? Why do I have to go through this? And God told her, you're asking the wrong question. What do you want me to learn from this is the question to ask. Well, I love how Jan moved from why me to why not me. That was powerful. And the realization that she had that he didn't cause the loss, but he was present in it as she walked 
through that loss and that grief process. He was present. Yes. And then the triggers. That's such a big deal for me because, you know, triggers are not just a thought and an emotion, but it's a physical thing. Your body actually gets triggered and the adrenaline starts going and you go into fight or flight or freeze. And so learning to be prepared for times when you know you're going to be triggered. So that was so good. So good. So I I just want to close with the thought that making those anniversaries, those anniversary dates and those times when you're going to be triggered as times to be real, really reflective and to think back and think of the good things so you can praise God for the good experiences and the great memories that you have. That is just so powerful when we can do that instead of working a lot that day or, you know, doing something to numb the pain instead of really embracing it and reflecting on it and asking God to teach you new things. Oh, that's so good. So that tip that she gave of just remembering what her mom always told her, just trust in God. He will always make it right. That is a Romans 828 statement, if I've ever heard one. I love that. So I just hope that if you listen to this today and realize maybe you have some pain you haven't really processed, I want to encourage you to do that. And if you know someone who needs some support, who needs someone to just come and sit with them and weep with them, be that person. And I want to encourage you to to get some copies of Janet's book, Surviving the Holidays While Grieving, Practical Tools for Experiencing Joy When Facing Grief and Loss. You should have three or four copies available in your tr- the trunk of your car, anywhere where it's not just a gift for Christmas time or Thanksgiving. It There are holidays all year long for someone in grief, let me tell you. So I want to encourage you to share that resource. Read it yourself so you're even a better friend to those who experience grief and loss. Thanks so much for being with us today. God bless your week. See you next week. Well, thanks for joining us today for the All Things Podcast brought to you by Redemption Press and the Romans 828 Bookstore. So, hey, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you would, consider sharing this episode with your friends on social media. And if you haven't yet left a review of the podcast on Apple, I would love it if you would take a minute to do that as it would help other people find the show and also let them know that it's a show worth listening to. So thanks so much for joining us today and I will see you next week. Bye for now.